fear the talking queers. Now that we're all here, the party can begin. Hello, bitch. Hey, bitch. What are you doing? How are you? Oh my god, I'm out here just living my best life. Just got laid off my job. And, no! Um, <laughs> it is true. This is true. Ugh. But it is what it is. You know what? Yeah. They just uh, facilitated a brand new chapter in my life. Sure, Dan. So Exactly. Anytime there's a change like that, it always means that something better is coming your way. A new door is opening. Exactly. Yeah, I'm fully expecting a 100% return. Um, something better, bigger, more fabulous, more fantastic, just like me. Exactly. Exactly. Well, if you can't tell, I'm Frankie. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to Fear the Talking Queers. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm living my fall fantasy. Are you? Already? Yes. We had a thunderstorm last night. Wait, so did we, apparently. I did not hear any of it. Really? But I, yeah, but that's what happens when you smoke as much weed as I do. The whole world around you falls away. And and, uh, <laughs> and you're just stuck in the couch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we had a thunderstorm. Like, like lightning, rain, thunder, loud thunder. It was amazing. And then today... I went and got myself a pumpkin cream Americano. Pumpkin! What's up, girl? Oh my god, I'm I got myself a pumpkin chai. Oh my god. <gasps> oh my god, we're two pumpkin pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should change our name to Fear the Basic Queers. <laughs> I guess I am white. <laughs> and you know what? Fuck all the pumpkin haters, okay? We said I don't look like a pumpkin. Give me a hug. Bitch, you look like a fucking man and you need that facelift and get rid of crow's feet. <laughs> oh my god, are you ready for October? Because I am. Oh my god, I hate September because it's just (laughs) in the way of me getting to October. What are we doing today? We are going to revisit another Fear the Talking Queers classic game with Book Mary Kill. Yes, but this time we're doing all women. Oh, what in gay hell? All female characters. Yes. Yes, to correspond with our film today. starring a fierce, mostly all-female cast. And so, in honor of that, yeah, we're doing all women today with our Fuck, Mary Kill. So, for all you people who are heterophobic, you might want to skip this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. Because, you know, I love women. Women are so beautiful and sexy. I'm sorry, you got to be shitting me, woman. Yes, yes. They're, they're what keeps our little gay hearts beating. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is our way to honor them, to decide whether we want to fuck, marry, or kill them. (laughs) (laughs) So I have three categories, do you? I sure do. I'm ready to play. Okay, my first category for you is... Three witches. Ooh, sexy witch bitches. Yes, so fuck, Mary kill, 
Madison Montgomery from American Horror Story Coven. Oh, okay. Marie Laveau from American Horror Story Coven. Okay. (laughs) Or Lourdes from The Craft Legacy. Ooh, okay. All right. Um, Okay, in this situation, I would probably (laughs) kill Madison Montgomery. Stupid yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though I absolutely am obsessed with her character <laughs> like I don't know about fucking or marrying her she's <laughs> right. she's trouble and evil we want to be her we don't want to be with her and then I would marry Marie Laveau because she's dedicated to her man too right exactly yes yeah, devoted devoted and I guess I'd fuck Loris because I feel like she can create sparkly magic while it happens yes. and um, that would that would be really pretty. <laughs> yes, it would be a magical experience. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just like sparkles in the air. Okay, g- give me your first category. All right, here we go. So I picked final girls. First one, fuck Mary Kill, Tiana Paris, and Candyman twenty twenty one. Yes. Um, Melanie Daniels from The Birds. Oh okay. And Mia. From the Evil Dead remake. I would marry Brianna from Candyman because she's sophisticated. She's gorgeous. I don't want to be with Melanie Daniels from The Birds because she's just too clingy. Yeah, she's also trouble though. I know, she is. Maybe I would fuck Mia because she'd be a good time and kill Melanie Daniels. Oh my God. (laughs) She's just too clingy. So let me kill Melanie Daniels. I'll fuck Mia and I'll definitely marry Brianna. Great. Okay. Okay, Work. So my category is similar to yours. Three is Scream Queens. So fuck, Mary kill, Danielle Harris. Oh God. Okay. (laughs) You know, I love her. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you do. Lupita Nyong'o. (gasps) <gasps> Ooh, okay. Or Sherry Moon Zombie. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably... Okay, I'm, I would marry Lupita. Yes. I don't know, she has such warmth about her, which is um, really, really sweet. Being with her would be, like, elevating. Oh my god, intellectual conversation. Yes. I would probably fuck... And this one might surprise you, but I'd probably fuck Sherry Moon Zombie. I knew you were going to say that. She seems like a good time. She's wild. Um, And then I guess I'd kill Danielle Harris, even though I do like Danielle Harris. I just think of her as a little girl. And I'm like, no. It's a no. (laughs) Yeah. You're thinking Danielle Harris, Halloween 4. Yes. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) But she has grown up to be a very sexy lady. Vampires. (gasps) Okay, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Fuck, Mary kill. Akasha from Queen of the Damned. <sighs> Santanico Pandemonium from From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, uh, my God, this is hard. Okay. And Celine from Underworld. Okay, kill Celine because I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I literally was like, I hope he knows who this is. You don't know Kate, Kate Beckinsale? In I, I assumed that's who she was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill her because the other two are just way sexier to me. Okay, um, okay. That's fair. Um, not to be shallow. <laughs> oh my god, this is hard. Okay, you know what? I'm going to fuck Santanico Pandemonium because okay. I, she's ugly when she transforms. Oh my gosh, she's hideous. <laughs> she's she hideous. Like an ugly ass snake ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, like if I were Quentin Tarantino in that chair as she was dancing over me, yeah, especially when she uh, stuck her toes in his mouth and then dropped all the tequila down her leg okay, into his see, mouth. 
that's where I draw the line. But <laughs> that, but it's a, but it's a sexy thought. Like you know, no if, if you're if you're into that kind of kink, yeah, totally. And then I would marry Akasha because why not ma- be married to an ambitious woman who just wants to take over the world? And I'm yeah, and, exactly. You know? She and she and she is loyal. Okay, she's loyal. She, she's ambitious. She's driven. She's and she's thirsty. thirsty. Oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> okay, three killers. It's sick, right? Ooh. <laughs> okay. Brenda from Urban Legend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Elaine from The Love Witch. Ooh, Ooh. See what I did there? See what I did I there? See, I see what you did there. <laughs> and <laughs> you're going to laugh at this next one. Abby from Nurse 3D. <laughs> oh my God. Path de la Huerta. Yes. Um, Okay. Um, okay. I would probably f- fuck Brenda. Um, she's probably a, a good time. Ta- probably talks a lot. Yeah. She's probably very much into like a verbal foreplay. Yeah, for sure. I'd be wary about marrying Elaine just because it seems like every person that she comes across dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all she wants is love. Maybe if you can provide that for her, she won't have to put a spell on you, ultimately leading to your untimely death. Yes, absolutely. And I can give her advice on wigs and jewelry <laughs> and all all the fabulous things like we'd have a really gay marriage gay isn't they'd happy. be like elaine is your husband gay <laughs> <laughs> and then uh that leaves me killing i gotta kill abby from nurse 3d yeah girls gotta go she's too unhinged she would you know. kill you like there wouldn't even yeah. be time to fuck or marry her because she would literally kill you so. yeah yeah also she's like she's like backwards like she did like a full on bottomless scene in that movie but with a bra on <laughs> you're like <laughs> so <laughs> she's just, just something... a, she doesn't know what she wants <laughs> yes she's a little confused yeah she gotta go house de la puerta baby <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. So uh, we made it to the final one, which Ooh. is uh, from me to you. This is um, Fuck, Mary Kill, Famous Women from Sci-Fi. Oh, okay. Ooh. I'm ready. Okay. All right. So Fuck, Mary Kill, Princess Leia, the Martian girl from Mars Attacks, or Natiri. From Avatar, which is Zoe Saldana's character. Okay, I would marry her, definitely. She's devoted. Oh, and she's she's strong. She's She's strong. She's, yeah, she's there for her family. Like, there's a sense of community around her. So yeah, definitely marry her. I would kill the Martian lady because she (laughs) is outrageous. And she'll eat your finger. Yeah, you don't. She's too unpredictable. She's all breasts and wig. Like that's, <laughs> that's it. And then I would um, fuck Princess Leia. She was a hot piece back then. She's hot. Oh my god. Yeah, for yes. sure. She's like sci-fi nerd fantasy. Oh my god. Every dork in this world <laughs> is jacking off to Miss Princess Leia. Absolutely. Rightfully so. She earned it. Did you see her body <laughs> in that bikini? Oh, what? yes. With that long-ass braid. Yes. Oh, yes. She said, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. she's having a whip yeah. it around. Yes. With those yes. golden uh, breast huggers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. What? I, I mean, iconic. Iconic. So, yeah, Icon. definitely. 
And you know what? She is a fucking princess, okay? She's in charge. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, our sci-fi women, uh, that concludes our game of Fuck, Mary Kill. And then brings us right into our sci-fi women-tastic film this week, Annihilation. Yes, yes. I can't wait to get annihilated. No, um, I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. This isn't your run-of-the-mill sci-fi alien, you know, space garbage. This is deep. This is fucking deep. And so we're gonna go as deep as we are capable of going. (laughs) Yeah. Is that like deep into the scousy, deep into the black hole, or is it deep into a booty hole? Like we'll figure it out. Oh my god. The answer is yes. <laughs> to whatever to whatever you yeah. just said. Yes, booty hole. <laughs> but yeah, to, yeah, I heard booty hole and I said yes. Yes, booty hole. <laughs> All right. All right. So yeah, so this film is a fantastic movie full of metaphor and allegory and strong women and also just broken humans in general. This movie made me contemplate the life I'm living. So oh. this is deep. It should. Yeah. You need, your life needs help. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's been an ongoing theme for our September movies. Like, we have to dig a little bit deeper to, like, get, besides the grudge, but the crow, Candyman, Annihilation. Yeah. We had to dig a little deeper to find what the hell that movie was about. <laughs> I had to dig a little deeper to find the Japanese people in the movie. That's what I had to do. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that is true. All right. So, um, why don't we get into it? Uh, this is Annihilation. Our bodies and our minds will be fragmented into their smallest parts until not one part remains. Annihilation. Annihilation, released in 2018, written and directed by Alex Garland. The film opens in a facility where a biologist named Lena, played by Natalie Portman, is in a containment cell, speaking to men in hazmat suits while a large group of people are gathered outside, listening in. Another man named Lor- Oh, Lorax. Lorax. <laughs> it, it was just like a brain, like my brain putting it together. <laughs> Another man named Dr. Seuss's Lorax. <laughs> Stupid. Okay, get it together, bitch. Another man named Lomax, played by Benedict Wong, is questioning Lena regarding a recent mission in which only she has returned. Lomax says she and her team were gone for months, which felt like days or weeks to Lena. She confirms two of her teammates are dead, while the fates of the other two remain unknown to her. She has no idea what she just experienced. Cut to a large comet soaring up in space, making its way to Earth's surface. It strikes a lighthouse and starts to emit a mysterious glow. Three years after this event, and sometime before her mission, Lena is working as a professor at Johns Hopkins, teaching her class about cancer cells and how they multiply. It has been over a year since her husband Kane, played by Oscar Isaac, that's that's your boo. Ooh, daddy. Oh my god, he's so sexy. Well, Kane went on a mission and never returned. Her colleague Daniel, played by David Gayasi, invites her to a barbecue at his house that he's throwing with his wife, but Lena says she prefers to paint her bedroom. Daniel says it's not disrespectful to Kane's memory for her to spend time with others, but Lena still declines the invite. 
Lena is still hurt over Kane's disappearance. However, as she is painting, Kane appears in the house. Lena tearfully embraces him. He has little to no memory of where he was or how he got home. Kane takes a drink of water and says he's not feeling well as evidenced by the blood in the water. Lena rides with him in an ambulance to the hospital, but en route, they are stopped by government agents that sedate and capture them. Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. So we start off right with Miss Natalie Portman, who, you know, she's just a she's just a treat. She is a joy to watch. Everything she does, she commits to. And oh, it's always and she, great to see her performance. She loves acting for her life. Every bass muscle is just yeah. moving. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's fantastic. So we start off with with Lena and you know it's sort of like those like you know book intros where like you know you, your first chapter is like at the, the end ending. of the story yeah <laughs> and then all of a sudden like you're like we have to go back and discover what she's talking about but we are like told right from the beginning that several characters that we haven't met yet are dead so we're like playing catch up right and she's yeah and we're sort of just as lost as everybody listening to her as lost as she is because she's like I don't know what the hell's going on where I've been, where these people are. Um, so yeah, we're 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 put in the position with her where we're hearing things, but we don't know how to comprehend them yet. We don't know who these names are. And later on, once we meet the characters, we don't remember which ones she said had died. So the yeah. mystery is still alive. We just know some of them are going to die. I think the scariest part of this conversation she's having in the very beginning is that she thinks she's been gone for days or weeks, but they're like, no, you were gone for like six months or four months or something. Oh, yeah. That's always scary to me, like, the that there could be this disruption in, like, a, the time-space continuum. Oh, I don't like that. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, this idea that, like, where have I been for this amount of time? And for me, it didn't feel that long, but what has gone by at home? It's scary. That's, that's scary to me. Yeah. Yeah, science is scary. Science is scary, which leads us to (laughs) (laughs) um, Lena working as a professor and showing cancer cells multiplying. That's, again, this is like something that's true real life horror. Not scary. And she's a dramatic ass teacher too. She's like giving a full dramatic performance. She's like, and the cells divide. And, you know, these kids are like invested because she's such a... (laughs) She's such a dramatic yes. storyteller. It, look, it looks like she's narrating a horror film. Yeah, exactly. These these cancer cells look like little monsters. And- yeah, that <laughs> is it is pretty scary. But I, so this is the beginning of one of the several interpretations of this film. This film is definitely open to a lot of interpretation, and there are a lot of different views on what the director was trying to get across and you know there's a lot of great think pieces on it and like so I'm not going to say that how I feel about it goes either way I've sort of read multiple things what people think and honestly I don't know I don't know what the actual you know allegory is supposed to be but there probably isn't supposed to be just one meaning to it this is the first of like um, us introducing this idea of like of cancer maybe being like the main allegory of this film and you know and even though we're not like explicitly saying that cancer is the straight metaphor we're at least introducing it at this point you know yeah which I don't think I caught in my first viewing of this so as soon as this scene started I was like oh hello Mm, and see that's what happens when you get up and you start making your popcorn get all your snacks and shit first and then (laughs) 
start watching yeah. the because <laughs> you can miss something vital like this that provides yeah the kind of overall storytelling of the entire movie sure yeah it sets it up right from the beginning like look here are some cancer cells things you know they metastasize and they just they spread and spread and spread and spread and um, that's what we know as cancer, you know, setting setting the the stage right away. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about it more. But yes, I do think that overall, this is like kind of like what you said this is the main allegory. Of- and so we're so we meet a little bit more of Lena and she's like this like sad lady. <laughs> like, she's a sad Aw. sack. You know, we're saying that she's like a dramatic um, teacher, but also she might be just as interested because I don't know, did, did you watch this with subtitles? Yeah, but my subtitles were really lagging, but I did watch it with subtitles, oh. yes. Okay, because right when she, before she bumps into her coworker, this student is walking up to her, you know, it's kind of just a transitional thing. Yeah. And the student comes up to her, and I guess her name is Katie, and she says... I'm behind on work and everyone's ahead of me and they're understanding the class better. And literally on the subtitles, it says, Lena says, you're not and they aren't. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's like, she is not invested in school anymore. So no, she's like, I'm fucking off the clock, bitch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's like, don't talk to me. I'm not being paid to speak to you, Katie. And so she has this conversation with her coworker, Daniel, and you kind of sense some tension. Yeah, something's going on because he's like, come over to my barbecue. And she's like, yeah, no, I want to paint. And he's like, come on, Lena. You can, it's not, you can still see other people now, even though your husband is missing. It seems like he might be trying to be a supportive friend, but then he touches her weenus and that's when it gets a little weird. And then she's like, yeah, I'm going to paint. <laughs> and then you kind of understand that maybe she's mourning something. And, right. and that Miss Natalie plays paint and depressed very well. So oh, she's absolutely. definitely portraying this. Yeah, she looks. She just looks broken. She looks just sad, um, lonely. And so we have this montage of their house. And their house is, like, beautifully lit, right? And that's one of the things I noticed about this film is that the lighting in this movie is incredible. Ethereal. Yeah, like, paints this picture that the world is, like, this beautiful, you know, magical sort of place. Like, her idyllic little home has, like, this, like, rays of sunshine just shooting through it it's sort of contrasted by how sad she is and she's like sort of living this sad life within this beautiful world she can't even make it through painting half her wall without breaking down and i think i think at this point we've gathered that her husband is missing right yeah that he's missing and i think he's just presumed to be dead at this point because like a whole year has gone by and you know after a while you just what do you do? You just go, well, I'm assuming they're never coming back. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, so she, but also, I feel like a year is kind of fresh still. Like, a year? I don't know. Yeah, that's and, nothing. Because the way her coworkers saying, like, you have to move on. Like, well, we know why he's saying that. But at the same yeah. time, like, move on. Let me go fuck off. Get your hand on my fucking weenus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then this next scene happens, which honestly, this scene is, this scene would freak me the fuck out. So all of a sudden, after a year of disappearing, or being disappearing, wow, a year of being disappeared, all of a sudden, he just shows up in the house. And her mood does a complete 180, but then it's sort of lackluster because he has no emotion. 
no expression. He's a shell of a man. It would, and I think that as an audience, we're supposed to be freaked out because it almost seems like the way that they're filming him. I don't know if it's like a technique they were using or the way he's moving, but it's sort of like he seems almost like alien. Alien, exactly. Ooh, yes, yes. yes. Speaking of alien, we totally skipped the part where a fucking comet hits <laughs> hits the <laughs> earth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we missed that part a little bit. <laughs> Just flies in and crashes right through this lighthouse. And all of a sudden, this glimmering, shimmery-like blob starts growing out of it. And it's like, what is this? Um, and we soon come to find out that it is the cause of all the problems in this movie. I think that's a kind of a cool little twist of events from what we usually see because you see a comet hovering over the earth and you're thinking, okay, this is a major catastrophic event. But then yeah. it just kind of sort of lands and yeah. the menacing thing that's you know coming from it is actually this beautiful holographic sort of gas and yeah it's not scary or catastrophic looking yeah it actually looks really inviting and beautiful and ethereal almost yes, like heavenly heavenly yeah just sort of coming out slowly and it is a slow process this is gonna take its time that could potentially be mirroring how maybe cancer is like a you know it's a slow burn it, it starts in one yeah. place and then it spreads from there and continuing with Kane the, like I was saying how they're filming him it also continues when they're sitting down and she's trying to pry and probe about where he's been what happened and he doesn't yeah. really know it's and it's very reminiscent of her in the very beginning of the film so we kind of can piece together that they've Lena at the end of the movie and Kane at the beginning of the movie have gone through the same experience but yeah. the way in which they're even like filming their hands through the glass of water yeah I, w- I was I was sort of kind yeah. of like what is that shot of the glass and the hands I know but I'm like is it like to me it almost felt like some sort of like distortion like you know almost as if like what the shimmer does it's like their hands are touching but like something's warped something they don't look they look like hands almost but through that reflection they just sort of look mutated different mutated different now everything has changed like even their marriage has changed right like we're seeing the wedding ring but everything that surrounds that little wedding ring is different warped and this is terrifying because he's he's like i don't feel good and he's you can tell he there's something off and he takes a sip of water and there's blood in the water and that's oh god that's frightening but even more frightening is when they're on their way to the hospital in an ambulance and the fucking government pulls them over and Holy snatches yeah. them out. This is like one of my biggest fears in life is being part is of this like overall like government conspiracy. And you know what I mean? And like just being like, yeah. like you're captured. Ca- being captured is like a is a fear. Yeah. Especially by people you should trust. Ugh. Exactly. It's like that sort of covert secret operation where, you know, all of a sudden, all the things you think could protect you are out the window, which we find yes. out like later, even when uh, Lena's like, I want to talk to a lawyer. And they're like, yeah, you can't talk to a lawyer. It's like, <laughs> this is so secret and covert. And there's so much, you know, banking on this, like your normal human rights 
you know, don't exist anymore. Like, which is almost a little familiar to us in recent times, you know, oh my God. <laughs> like where you kind of have to sacrifice certain parts of your freedoms for the betterment of humanity. For the, for the greater good. For the greater yeah, good. Yeah, for the greater yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Scary. Right, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and at the same time, he's over there coughing up blood and having organ failure. There's a lot of stress going on in this moment. She just wanted to paint. And uh, now here she is. <laughs> She's like, God, I should have gone <laughs> to that barbecue. <laughs> yeah, literally. She's like, what, what would have happened if she <laughs> just went to that barbecue? <laughs> she would have had a good time. and Yeah, she would have <laughs> got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> what if this were a comedy? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we keep going? Let's figure out what the hell's going on. Who has her? Title card area X. Lena wakes up in a compound formed by an organization called the Southern Reach. She meets Dr. Ventress, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, who tells her that Kane was part of an expedition into a location outside the compound called the Shimmer, which formed around the area surrounding the lighthouse over the last few years. Kane is apparently the only person to have returned from the Shimmer, as his whole team was reported as missing or dead. Kane is in the facility, but he is dying. Ventress is set to lead a team into the Shimmer to find the source of its energy, along with three other women. Josie Raddick, played by Tessa Thompson, a psychic. <laughs> Not a psychic girl. <laughs> They're trying all angles here. A physicist. Cassie Shepard, played by Tuva Novotny, an anthropologist. And Anya Thornson, played by Gina Rodriguez, a paramedic. Thornson introduces herself to Lena and invites her to meet the other team members. Lena chooses not to let them know that Kane is her husband and that she has a personal investment in the mission. Another title card, The Shimmer. The team heads inside The Shimmer. After four days, the team appears to have no memory of how they got there. A lot of their equipment, including their GPS, doesn't seem to work there. They continue further into The Shimmer, documenting their progress and findings. They notice plants have mutated as different flowers and leaves have all stemmed from the same roots. As they pass by a small shack hovering over a swamp, something pulls Radic into the shack and nearly takes her underwater until the team goes in to save her. They discover a mutated alligator emerging from the water. It crawls towards the team until Lena shoots it dead. They then inspect the inside of its mouth and find that the gator possesses shark-like teeth, suggesting that the shimmer is mutating the genetic makeup of everything it consumes. Lena has multiple flashbacks of her time before the mission, such as her final moments with Kane before he went off into the Shimmer, as well as an affair she had with Daniel before Kane signed on for the mission. It is later suggested that Kane somehow found out about Lena's affair, and this may have contributed to the reasons for signing on to what appeared to be a suicide mission. The team rowboats across the swamp to head further toward their destination. Lena rides with Shepard. On being questioned by Shepard, Lena tells her that she was in the army and also that her husband was killed in action. She does not mention that Kane is her husband. Shepard then tells Lena that she lost a daughter to leukemia and also reveals things about the rest of the team, like that Thornton is a recovering addict and Raddick had been cutting her arms. Shepard adds that nobody seems to know much about Ventress other than the fact that she has no friends, family, partner, or children. Ooh, okay, there's a lot going on here. A lot to unpack. Yes, so this first scene we get is uh, Lena waking up in this hospital. Jennifer Jason Lee comes out, and she 
I love her in this role. Oh, she's she so, is fantastic. She's so like icy and condescending, but also just like jaded. Yeah, she's like jaded and she's like tired. And how she talks to Lena is just so. I don't know. It's such a good character choice. It is. You know, you're like, what? what is this woman's deal? Like, why is she so run down? <laughs> yeah, and I have to give her a lot of props because I can't imagine having to play a character with so many layers and depths and so many things going on for the character that, like, obviously as an actor, you're not going through. But then to portray right. that, because you can tell there's so much going on. And like we said, yeah, she's underneath going through, the surface, so much, you know? and she's being able to really let us know that through her performance. So she does an amazing job. And at first, I thought she was Kira Sedgwick. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, they kind of look the same. Yeah, they do, but yeah. So this is like right after the the renaissance of Jennifer Jason Lee. Like she sort of disappeared for a while, but then she had that comeback with um, the Hateful Eight. And uh, yes. then she started getting these bomb ass roles like this, and I think she's fantastic in this. So yay, Jennifer Jason Lee! I know a fantastic job, beautiful performance. But then she starts like questioning Lena about all these things that she's like, I don't know anything. Like I don't know where my husband's been, or I don't know what is going on. And like you know, th- th- she's sort of now in this situation because of who she is, right? Like Lena, mm-hmm. like. They're like, okay, she's like this John Hop Johns Hopkins professor on yeah. this. And I'm 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 sitting there like, this is shit that only happens to smart people. <laughs> Seriously. Like being kidnapped and like, we need you because you are the leading researcher on this subject. I'm like, this shit never happens to stupid people. I this would never happen to me. They I would just be one of the people <laughs> like kill off. Just to <laughs> throw in the shimmer to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, they're like, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, her she's important and I was like wow it must be nice yeah anyway so um, they're trying to see what she can help with especially when it comes down to Kane because Kane is the only person to have ever come out of what she just what she finds out is called the shimmer which we uh, we get a glimpse of after this scene so but they've moved from the like hospital setting to now Ventress's office, right? Mm-hmm. And she sits literally directly looking at this shit that's happening outside. Just big ass windows where she just stares all day at the shimmer, which has now expanded like through the through the over the forest and through the woods to grandmother's house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she's explaining what this the shimmer is. They're like, we don't know what it is. It's just this sort of like energy force field that's coming from the nucleus which was a comet that landed on this lighthouse and the explanation of the shimmer like the more they feed it the bigger it gets it's it reminds me of like when you know you're really trying to get your health in check and you know you try to reduce how many free radicals you put into your body or on your body because it can feed something that may potentially be growing you know and so it's that whole conversation of like health like the more you put in your body or the more poison you lather on your skin, the more free radicals entering your bloodstream, therefore pumping up whatever could potentially be growing and make it dangerous. Exactly. It's like this this balance of like, 
you know, we put things in there to hopefully gain more information or, you know, help us, you know, figure this out. But at the same time, we're also causing it to get worse. Just like, I don't know, like taking too much ibuprofen or something. It's like, yeah, it helps your headaches, but then you're destroying your liver or, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like things like that. And at this point, like Ventress even says, she's like, we, we have many theories about what it is, but we have few facts. Because, I mean, and I think that that sort of correlates to how we how we deal with things like cancer or, you know, really, really huge diseases. It's like we've, there's no cure. It's like many theories about what causes it, what it can, what we can do to prevent it or stop it from getting worse. But we have like we're, we still have so much more that we can learn about these things. Mm-hmm. And the shimmer is just like this huge force that is just getting bigger and it's destroying everything in its path. A lot of allegory here. <laughs> yeah, and then we have this team of women that are going to be going into it, led by Ventress. Uh, you know, okay, so they we get introduced to all these women: Josie, Cassie, Anya. As we're meeting them, I my thought was, okay, they, they talk about, oh, you know, it's an entire team of women. It's all women. And like, well, you know, we're, we're scientists. My first thought was, is, you know, because I'm like fully and like feeding into this cancer allegory. So I was like, my first thought was, does cancer affect women more? But I just wanted to throw this in there, just some facts. Um, actually, 20% higher risk of cancer in men. Um, but breast cancer oh, wow. is the most common form of cancer. Yeah, it, it could be that. And it's like, at this point, they're sort of um, throwing... What is it? What's that term? Throwing something at the wall and seeing if it sticks? Throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing if it sticks. <laughs> yeah, so they're trying everything they can in order to figure out what what is going to come out of that shimmer with information because they don't know anything yet. So like maybe the next step is sending all women in there because they've tried groups of all men and all we've had is this one uh, catatonic human with organ failure come out. So I think this is empowering for women to this narrative because they sent in all these military units, all these strong men, you know, and nothing came of it. So now it's time to put in these like superior minds, like intellectuals. Yeah. Um, to see what comes of that because like these men obviously didn't know what they were doing we were sending in soldiers thinking there was some alien force behind there but now that you know nothing's come out of it let's send in the brains of the operation right exactly and you know what they lucked out because Miss Lena happens to also be a soldier (laughs) and a biologist she's a double whammy oh yeah she's she is everything she's like I'm well rounded oh you know what I was going to say about Ventress too is that you know with all these layers it seems like she has guilt for sending these teams in there Um, oh she is oh for sure i mean she she so she sort of represents that like you know the doctors or whatever who are like like an oncologist you know what i'm saying it's yeah sure it's like you know they're con they're trying to help and she's just day in and day out just sending people in watching them die yeah and then they never come out and it's like she's sort of overseeing this operation so she's like not only has a lot of guilt about that but i think she her her and she explains this she has this insatiable desire to find out what the hell is in there because she sits there and she sits there and she looks at it all day from that window and she sends people in and they never come back and it's like at some point she's like i need to know for myself what is happening to these people i also thought of her maybe as like a metaphor or an allegory for the immune system like she's 
this, Ooh. like, she's, like, the immune system. Because at this point, we're talking about the Earth having, uh, like, cancer, essentially. And she, yeah. Dr. Ventress being at the lead person finding these teams to send in there is almost like your immune system sending out, you know, soldiers to battle this, you know, foreign entity that's becoming a part of your body and losing and not knowing what the fuck's happening to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. So, yeah, she's in a tough position. And um, so I, I get it, like, at this point. And we'll find out even more why she decides to go in <laughs> right because there's there's more to it so they go into the shimmer and i'm like why aren't they wearing like hazmat suits or something i mean i mean at this point they're all well <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> and you know miss anya she sort of points it out like earlier she's like you know what there's two things that happen to people in there something kills them or they kill each other and so they're like we gotta get the full experience so they're uh <laughs> They're going in there, probably on a suicide mission. But really, it's like entering Wonderland at first. Like, the sun is shining through the trees, but it's shining through the shimmer. So it's all, like we keep saying, ethereal and pastel and holographic. And it's really quite beautiful. Oh, one thing we forgot to mention is that uh, Lena... Lena wasn't originally part of this group that was supposed to go into the Shimmer, but she oh. sort of volunteers herself. She needs to understand too, but also there's a lot of talk of her um, owing it to Kane. Yes. You know, to figure out what happened. And, you know, we're kind of confused why, but then we come to find out, like, she was having this affair, which is the reason why he left in the first place. And so she's feeling an immense amount of guilt. And now she's like, I owe it to him to figure it out. I think she's really interested in the psychology behind it. Like, why did he do this? And who knows? We never really get that explanation as to why she cheated on Kane. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, yeah, why did she do this? Does she need to feel alive? It was him being gone all the time like weighing down on her yeah you know because he is a soldier and who's obviously gone on missions before well, and everything actually like that. we kind of do get into it but first they go into the shimmer and they notice that there are all these beautiful flowers and plants but they're all coming from the same root there's mutations happening in nature yeah there's already weird things going on but what they do notice is that at this point everything is really beautiful You know, there's like this like, oh, you know, it's very strange that this is happening. But so far, everything we've seen inside the Shimmer is like so far gorge not yeah gorge and definitely not menacing by any means just changing just different. You know, it's like it's like things that normally will look one way to us are kind of the same, but they're now melding with other things not necessarily in an ugly scary way you know it's also can create something very beautiful and then we get the danger when Radic is being pulled around by this like monster under the water and we don't know what the hell it is but then it comes out and it's like this mutated monstrous alligator this is terrifying yeah this is scary yeah when it first grabs her and just just sucks her into that house you're like oh shit like this is this is where it's gonna get real crazy i know and then the entire team goes to save her but like somebody needs to stay behind because this is a mission and all of you guys are just going into this murky water you don't know what's under there (laughs) i literally wrote down why isn't everybody helping oh (laughs) the opposite thoughts opposite thoughts yeah, I was yeah, because the only one that jumps in there to save her really at first is Lena. Then the other ones are like, "What's going on?" It's like, "What bitch? You, don't, you can't hear that there's like craziness going on in here." 
that somebody's being attacked. Could you imagine, like, after oh, no. being attacked and getting out, and then this giant ass alligator starts coming at you? No, 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 no. I don't have the brain capacity for this, but Miss Lena, luckily, she was in the army, so she gets down and she starts shooting as if literally just like and she looks pretty badass doing this considering that gun was yeah, just does. as big as she was <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she just swiss cheeses the fuck out of this alligator <laughs> it takes a while for it to die though it's i know i don't know I'm if like, it's the why? muscles too strong but then they look inside of its mouth and they notice that it's it's almost like has dna from other animals and they're like can maybe it's a crossbreed it's like a it's like a mouth within a mouth lena's like i'm a biologist and there's no way that a shark could have sex with an alligator especially in the bayous like no yeah (laughs) yeah literally the swamps here yeah she's like this isn't right and look how many fucking teeth this thing has and yeah you first notice it when the thing is still alive and it opens its big ass trap and you're like, ah, and then it has like a full on set of teeth yeah. like in the back of its throat. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, oh like, my this God. This is horrifying. It, it, yeah. And uh, my favorite part of this is when Miss um, Anya is holding up the alligator's oh, yeah. jaw. And she's like, okay, this is getting heavy because that shit does look <laughs> heavy. <laughs> that does look heavy. <laughs> this next part is one of my favorite moments in this film. And it's when Lena riding in the rowboat with Shepard and, and Shepard's breaking down who each of the people are because obviously we're getting so much Lena backstory that we don't have time to explore everyone's uh, journey. Right. But, um, you know, we find out Lena was in the army. She's obviously there because of Kane. But then Shepard has lost a daughter to leukemia, which again, this allegory yes. for just illness, terminal illness, um, is very, very strong at this point. And then we find out that Miss Anya is a recovering addict and Radic has been... Um, used to cut herself or still does and so like all these women they all are almost how do i explain this they're self-destructive they're self-destructive which is the other huge allegory for this film is about self-destruction and Mm -hmm. one that the director has sort of hinted is like what his the main allegory that he thought of was about self-destruction about how you know we put ourselves in these situations and that these people are constantly hurting themselves and how being in the shimmer sort of mirrors what it's like to to be in a in a self-destructive state where things are are always in flux and you can't remember the days of the week and and things are just so like refracted because of your mental state that uh the shimmer really is like a full allegory for that this is really interesting to me because uh, oh this is like yeah once you read the interviews and the behind the scenes and alex garland says but the overall allegory is self-destruction with cancer being the biggest one because cancer is literally self-destruction your biology turning on itself and then then we get all these like psychological ones like depression and addictions and sadness and even Lena, then we start to understand more why she's a part of this story because yeah. she was also self-destructive emotionally to herself. Emotionally, yeah. yeah. Like the adultery and the sabotaging her 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 life and her her relationship and like self-sabotage is a huge one too. So yeah, these these women all have something and then that leaves sort of like Ventress, which again we we're we're not given exactly what it is. 
about her. I mean, obviously, we can tell that she's got a lot going on. You know, yeah. some, something's really bothering her. But at first, when Shepard's describing her and saying no friends, no family, no partner, no children, it kind of seems like maybe she feels she has nothing to live for. Or, you know. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Or she's like antisocial or she's, yeah, she she pushes everyone away and, and you don't really know why yet but we'll we'll come to find out why do you think that lena being a part of the her backstory also being part of the army is like a self like do you think i don't know i guess i wonder like i know that patriotism has a lot to do with people signing up for the military and the army but do you also think sure. that there's like a deeper thing to that do you also think that stems from like the self-destructive mindset mm, maybe i mean some people maybe put themselves in harm's way in order to feel like cutting yourself they and they kind of mention that uh with radic when they're like oh she tried to kill herself and like no i think quite the opposite i think she's trying to feel alive right exactly and maybe that's the same thing yeah maybe her being involved in in like combat or something like that was was her sort of putting her her life in danger to feel or something yeah i love i love these backstories and i and i love it being just minor little fractions of the overall storytelling i think this is really compelled this makes the story way more compelling because it's human it's absolutely human to to experience these things each of these characters represents something that anyone watching this could relate to it's human nature to you know unfortunately be a bit self-destructive that's why people do end up cheating on somebody or why they do ruin perfectly functional things in their lives because self-destruction makes us feel alive more alive yeah. Yeah. Who which character would you relate to the most thinking back on the movie? Hmm, I think that I would be a oh god, I don't know. It's hard. Most right? likely I would end up I would end up being an Anya, maybe. That's <laughs> what I was going to say too, Anya. Yeah, I think she to me was the most relatable just given what her vices are like, you know, the addiction storyline, not that I'm addicted to anything, but I've seen it in my own family and sure. you know. But like just the journey of it all, I think I would be right there with Anya. I just feel I feel like just how I am, especially because I do have this like I don't I wouldn't say irrational, but I do think about death a lot and I think about like yeah. like what how do I react or like how would I react knowing that learning about a terminal illness or something like that. Yeah. Like how would I react and I and I know I would be panicked and I feel like that is where I relate to her where all of a sudden there's paranoia, there's panic, there is aggression or but it all stems from fear. Yeah, you know, fear that that there's that somebody's not telling me everything or fear I don't know. I don't know. There yeah. so she's one that I I relate to for I, sure. I think Radic's peaceful sort of approach also was kind of resonating with me just because of that spirituality side that I have in myself where I'm like everything happens yeah. for a reason, you know. So, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. true. I I, w- I would I would hope to be that peaceful about it. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. would. I really would. I I would hope that I can be like, do you know what? This is this is life and it happens to everybody and it just happens to be my time. I just <laughs> I I want that for myself. That I mean, my goal is to be as <laughs> at peace about her death as um you know, as she was. Yeah. So. The team arrives at Fort Amaya, a military base which was the previous headquarters of the Southern Reach before the Shimmer engulfed it. 
Lena notices more mutations at the base, even ones that are malignant like tumors. They realize that Kane and his team had also set themselves up at the base while they were in the shimmer. They find a camera and watch a video of Kane cutting open the stomach of one of his teammates to reveal some kind of mass slithering inside in place of his organs. I know. Ew. And then like Kane is like playing with it. Ew. Ew. He's all. Yeah. They're all. They've lost their minds at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Like in the fucking anaconda in there. My anaconda don't. I knew it. (laughs) I knew it was coming. (laughs) As the team moves further, they discover the skeleton of Kane's teammate. His organs have grown and mummified as multicolored malignant moss. The team starts to become tense over their discovery. At night, Lena examines a cell sample she gathered inside the shimmer and sees it as undergoing mitosis, but not like nor. Oh, sorry. These words are too big for me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And this is why this would never happen to you. (laughs) (laughs) She sees it as undergoing mitosis, but not like a normal cell would. She later talks to Ventress and wants her professional psychological opinion on why she thinks Kane signed on to this mission. Ventress suggests that Kane went on the mission due to a self-destructive need, something which she believes is hardwired into all human DNA. Lena realizes that Kane must have volunteered for the mission when he found out about her affair with Daniel. Outside, something appears to break through the perimeter fence of the facility. Lena watches as Shepard investigates, only to be grabbed and carried off by a large, bear-like creature. Anya and Radic arrive to see what is going on, but they are too late to save Shepard. Oh no! Our first casualty! First kill. This is terrifying. Like, seeing the old campsite and then, like, finding evidence of what happened to the team that went in before you and knowing that they lost their minds and started carving each other up. Oh my god. I probably would go back at this point. Well, I'm just... It's so funny because I'm like, even though they're all missing, let's do exactly what they did and set up camp here and do the exact same things they did. I'm like... Are you just asking for it? Are you just asking to go crazy and cut each other up? Seriously. Seriously. And again, this cancer commentary still goes. Like the comparison of this malignant multicolored moss to tumors. um, Like cancer attacking healthy cells. Especially when we see the skeleton of what came of that teammate that Kane was cutting open and there was this large thing inside of him. Oh God. What do you think it was? I, I mean, I think it's probably just his, his organs moving, you know, like later on, like Anya talks about how she can see like her fingerprints moving and like her skin. Move. So like, obviously the shimmer is literally making physical changes in their own bodies. And it affects everyone differently. Yeah. It seems either like physically, mentally, they could like like she said before about the theories something either kills them or they go crazy and kill each other so obviously something has to change within them to either to get to that place or where they they kill each other and what's crazy about like that video that we see is that it's not like a malicious killing that they kill that guy maybe they just assumed he was already a goner because he's like just sort of convulsing but then he just sort of casually carves him up and opens up his stomach flap and films it and is like kind of looking at the camera like, yeah, look, see? They're playing with it like it's some sort of cute animal. 
I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, they're, I think they're probably just excited for research sake, but I mean, ew, it is disgusting. I guess, but I also wouldn't stick my hand in there. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have to say, on a technical aspect of like the creation of the movie, this, what comes of his body being in this multicolored, like we said, mummified in this multicolored malignant moss, it's really yeah. beautiful, as terrifying as the shimmer it can is. be. It makes everything just much more beautiful, like as morbid as it can be. Like this is very like Midsommar in a way where like, you know, they're, they're, they're dead, dead bodies, it's horrific, but the way they decorate them and stuff, it makes it a little pretty and bright. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. The Shimmer definitely shops at Michael's and, uh, <laughs> yeah. some decorative moss. <laughs> yes. No, but it it is crazy because you like see where that guy was sitting in the video and now it's like spread from outside of his body onto the wall where he's like now become pretty much part of the wall. And then you see like, as the moss goes up, you see like different parts of his body that have now like grown out and like his skull is like stretched really like kind of in a weird way. And yeah, um, it is. Yeah. Where it's like this mix of just like beautiful and also horrifying. I feel like this is one of the two metaphors for being fearful of something like being diagnosed with cancer, where it's like them seeing this and thinking this potentially could be their fate is what happens when you're diagnosed with something, you know, like and that fear pumps in you like, oh my God, well you know what's going to become of me what's the suffering going to be like what's the pain going to feel like yeah and radic is immediately like get me out of here like i don't i don't want to stay here and uh, maybe that's like the avoidance you know because there's some people that like that don't want to face it head on and she sort of represents that where she's like i'm not here to fight anything yeah she's like i don't want i'm here to do my research and if like I don't I don't need to be around this. I don't want to see it. I don't want to stay here. And Anya kind of seems like that too, but Ventress and Lena are on the opposite ends of the spectrum where they're like, I- I'm ready to take this head on and figure out what the hell's going on. And it is sort of like, you know, Ventress and um, Lena are at the end, the only two that really make it to the final, you know, round of this. Yeah. And it does seem yeah. to me like I, there are many stories of people that are diagnosed with something like cancer and they find out they have it and they've lived with it for like several years and just never knew it was there. Then they get diagnosed and then they die right after because this, you know, like things like fear and rage, like they fuel these hormones in your body that negatively affect how your immune system works, how your body reacts to things. And that can be even more damaging than the illness itself. Yeah. Shit. Oh my God. Science medical. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, they decide to stay and they're like doing like watch outs, you know, cause you never know what could happen in the shimmer. So then, uh, Lena has this conversation with Ventress. This is where she sort of explains that idea I explained before about self-destruction and how everybody sort of puts them themselves in harm's way in a way, whether it's metaphorical or physical. And, but she's like, we need to finish this. We need to, she's like, I need to figure this out. Lena starts to ask her, she's like, you know, as a psychologist, what can you tell me as to why you think my husband came in here? And she knows right away. And obviously Kane told her that his wife, Ms. Lena was having an affair. 
um, yeah. and that he knows. So she clearly suggests that. Like, she's like, you know, like, you get to self-destructive even in your marriage. Um, and it's like, yeah, she's the, petty. She's petty. So petty. She's petty, but she's, <laughs> you know, she's telling it like it is. And Miss Lena yeah. gets it right away. She Then now it's confirmed that Kane knew about her affair. But at, also, it's like, God, it's not the end of the world, Roman. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> she cheated on me, so I'm going to go put myself into a life-threatening situation where I'm going to go into a giant alien, uh, you know, fucking yeah. soapy bubble. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And then right away, this kind of like deep moment uh, is juxtaposed with this frightening moment of them seeing the fence ripped open and not knowing what the hell it could be, but something big and obviously destructive. And here comes Miss Bear. Miss Bear. Miss Scream Bear. Miss Scream Bear looking horrific. Um, What a scary creature design. Yeah, seriously. I mean, we we don't... And at this point, we barely even see it. It's still in the dark. But we know it's big. We know it's big. And and it grabs Miss Shepard by the shoulder which just seems and drags her away excruciatingly painful um and one of the key things here is that ventress and lena are the only ones who actually see this monster grab yes this is true yeah right and the the other two don't okay let's keep going in the morning the team proceeds forward through the forest towards the lighthouse they spot shepherd's shoe and lena ventures deeper to try and find shepherd She returns when she finds Shepard's mangled body lying by a tree. They continue walking and find an abandoned property with a house and plant structures that are formed in the shape of human bodies. Raddick theorizes that the shimmer is a prism, refracting everything inside of it which causes fractures and divides in micro and radio waves, plants, animals, and human DNA. The team sets up camp in the house for the evening. Later that night, Lena awakens to find Thornson holding her gun in her face before she knocks Lena out. Lena wakes up to find herself tied to a chair along with Raddick and Ventress. Thornson has Lena's locket and realizes Kane is her husband. She's become paranoid and aggressive and also suggests that Lena killed Shepard. Just then, they hear what sounds like Shepard crying for help. Thornson runs to find her, but instead the bear creature, which has a full skull face, emerges and stalks the women. The noises it makes are Shepard's dying screams for help. Thornson runs back in and tries to shoot the bear, but it attacks her before tearing her throat and jaw out. Raddick breaks free and shoots the bear to death. The next day, Ventress goes off to find the lighthouse herself. Raddick finds roots and leaves growing out of her arms at a rapid pace. She finds peace in accepting her fate and walks away, disappearing before Lena can find her. But it seems she has mutated into a plant structure. <laughs> That's much more beautiful and poetic than that sounded. <laughs> so now they've made it to a new spot. Yeah, and this is where we get a lot of that ex- explanation of what is really happening within the shimmer. The refraction of radio waves and it just causing yeah. this fracture and divide in our DNA and in the plants and animals. Because now not only is are like the plants and the animals having their mutations, it is mutating the human DNA that's in there. And so now the plants growing from the ground are in the shape of humans. They said some sort of DNA, hola DNA or something like that. <laughs> uh, where like, which is the DNA for creating the structure of a human body. 
and therefore now those things are like growing out of the ground in the shape of humans and so um yeah even their dna is compromised now just being in the shimmer yeah this is this explanation is a little convoluted to this simple minds you know like for me i'm like wait what like i even reading like articles and explanations and things like that like i read this whole scientific breakdown of this movie and i didn't understand a single concept of what they were talking about (laughs) i was like i don't know what's going on and i do um just a little behind the scenes tidbit for a little bit the one of the main financiers of paramount pictures basically said this movie was too smart and wanted a lot of edits and reshoots and alex garland was and um one of the producers was essentially like no and the luckily the producer kind of lucked out and because even though this is very intellectual and it's a little too smart for some audiences i do think that it's necessary in order to at least back itself up with what is actually happening exactly yeah can you imagine if it was like some like simple explanation it'd be like really they stuck to their guns and you know because things like that you know inspire conversation and you know you can that's what i love about film in general is that has the ability for us to walk out after we watch the story and be like so what did you get from it how did you take from it oh you understood that could you explain it to me you know it, it inspires conversation exactly and um this is a movie that definitely needs a lot of explanation and and i think it's a great one to talk about with your friends because there's so much packed in here underneath the surface and it could have easily been surface level and i'm glad that it wasn't right and not everything needs to be 100 percent understood right as long as you understand the concept and that's what we get we yeah. do i i understand the concept of what's happening but those little things like you said as a hella hella dna the yeah, you know that, the cause of the structure of the human body it's like well you know i'm like <laughs> right exactly you you just sort of trust that they know what they're talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they uh they set up in this little house which apparently is a like a mirror of uh lena's actual house that we saw earlier in the film um oh. it just looks obviously much different yeah it's like the same exact house setup um so you know there's a lot of talk of you know doubles in this movie yes. which we haven't gotten too far into yet oh no but you know when when on her way to discover uh shepherd's body earlier she sees these two very beautiful deer just you know oh yeah trotting along and there's one that's like a little lighter and one's a little darker but they're essentially the same and they move together like in mm, unison perfect yeah. unison and that's sort of right. like a red flag almost because you're not you're like this isn't too regular deer like obviously they're mutated but at the same time it's like they're like one in the same but they're two different entities that's strange exactly yeah exactly it's like it's creating these like doubles or they're splitting like cells do yeah like those cancer cells we saw like the mitosis of you know going from one cell to two now we have these two exact sort of carbon i mean not maybe not exact copies but very similar replicants of each other that that have their own mutations like they're like these really beautiful deer with like antlers that have flowers on them. Again, the mix of, you know, living DNA with the, the you know, Earth's DNA or whatever it is. Again, shows us that not all these mutations are, are hor- horrific things. There is beauty in them. Yeah, I would definitely be one of these be- you know. beautiful little deer trotting through the forest. If I, oh, hell yeah. If I were this, yeah. That was us. Fear the tongue wears. Mutated. Oh my God, there we are. <laughs> 
Lena is attacked by by Anya, right? Yeah. Who we kind of already understand she's kind of you know, losing her sense of self along yeah, this Yeah, like there's a couple of moments where she's like kind of snapped at at Lena. Very she's and she's the most aggressive character in this movie. She's like mentally changing. She's becoming paranoid and she's becoming aggressive. She's questioning what's real and what's not. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, Miss Lena wakes up to a gun in her face and gets knocked out and they wake up and they're like all tied to chairs and she and then honestly Gina Rodriguez gives a great performance in this moment she really does I really really was convinced by her performance in this scene it's unhinged it's scary yeah exactly there's some sort of insanity creeping up on her and she's aware of it she's like am I going crazy or are you guys going crazy because I didn't see a bear attack Shepard I think you guys killed her yeah exactly and then she she sort of flips the story and she's like "We're, we're just meant to believe you She's like, I never, I didn't see it. She didn't see it. I think you did it. <laughs> and all of this is interrupted yeah. by Shepard's scream. And you're kind of like, what? Uh, She's dead. Yeah, there's no way. And so, and she freaks out. She runs out. She's like, Shepard! And she runs out <laughs> only to find Miss Scream Bear back, back, back again. Oh my God. And more terrifying than ever. This oh yeah, because now we get the we get the full face now. Yeah, as scary as the elements of this movie are, for actual like instilling fear in the audience, I think this is probably the scariest moment of this film, just because of the shock of the the look of the creature, and then you know just being in this situation where you're tied up, hands behind your back, not being able to defend yourself against something creeping up on you. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, the tension is super high in this one. And they're tied there and the scream bear comes in and is just I'm like, bitch, am I watching the trailer for Jackass 4? Like, <laughs> oh my god, yes. Uh, this is happens in there. <laughs> <laughs> they're just tied to a chair and oh. this thing is like sniffing them out and then uh, they're freaked out, obviously, because they're <laughs> They've now been tied to these chairs, and then uh, Anya comes back, and she she tries to light up this bear, and uh, it, it doesn't work out too well for her. Ooh, it doesn't. And I have to say, these graphics are really good. Like, obviously, you can tell that these creatures have been CGI, but I think they're well done. I think it has a lot to do with the way, like you said, that the movie is lit, and that there's always something with CGI that there's, there's just this little disconnect for me because the CGI is always like a different contrast than everything around it. And I think that's really yeah. what breaks it. But in no way is are these creatures in this movie cartoonish, except the deer maybe. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, you know, it, 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 we understand that the, these things are mutating. But I think that... I do. I feel like there were some practical effects used in this scene because the close-up oh, yeah. of the bear seems very real. Yeah, and the face is like pretty much just a skull. It's like the bear's skull on the outside of its face. Uh-huh. Looks like it's wearing a mask. It's real scary. And the way they've distorted uh, Shepard's screams to come out of the bear. Ooh, oh. It's just so eerie and so creepy and scary. Totally. Well, and then it kind of goes back to this thing that I had read about like her like putting herself in harm's way. Like maybe she did it purposefully, like the self-destruction metaphor or whatever. But like then you hear that this bear mimics what she was screaming. And it was like, help me, help me. And so it's like, maybe it's like, 
you know, we do these self-destructive things up until the point where it's happening and then it's too late. We're faced with the reality, you know, our mortality and all, you know, no matter, we always revert back to like screaming for our lives and like wanting to be saved. So I don't know, maybe that's it. But either way, like hearing her screams, like mimicking her screams is so terrifying. And, you know, now, now Shepard is now mutated with that bear. She's now become part of it. Like her, like her, her vocal cords have now mutated into that bear. Yeah. And Anya's death is completely brutal. Her jaw being ripped off and it happens so quickly. Oh, bitch, it ain't no joke. It is she no gets joke. fucked by that bear. It, that looks fuck, and that looks fantastic. Like that that effect yeah. looks really great. And then the next morning, yeah. Josie and uh, Josie Raddick, of course, and um, Lena have this conversation, and Raddick sort of explains how the bear was making that noise. And like you said, Shepard has almost her vocal cords or her have mutated into this bear, and she says, like, she says something like, "Imagine dying, feeling pain, and then that's the only part of yourself that survives." Oh like, God. <gasps> It's like her mind became part of this creature. Right. And and you know what we think about and you, you think about that too when you think about like this like cancer allegory is like the part that usually remains is the pain. You know, like people remember that last part about you. You know, yeah. like if if you were to if you were to witness somebody like those parts never go away. Like you'll never forget seeing people mm-hmm. in like pain and pain and, and suffering and that that's that's what makes this the second metaphor of that fear of what's to come when you're diagnosed with mm-hmm. with an illness is that I don't want to I don't want to be in this pain I don't want people to remember me like this yeah unsettling we have a really interesting death here one that is like whoa like this isn't ex- exactly how I pictured this happening but it's actually really poetic and you know so Radic start she decides to sort of succumb to her fate right like she or they're obviously all changing you can see it on her arms like coming through the scars like this is the first time we've seen her without sleeves on because you know what we've known about her is that she's caused a lot of self-destruction to herself physically right and so now we're seeing like these like vines like kind of growing out of the scars in her arms and um she ultimately sort of decides for herself to surrender to it. You know, she kind of says something to Lena. She's like, you know, Ventress wants to face it. You want to fight it. And, and for her, I think it's, she wants to surrender to it. And I don't know if that's like, maybe back to the cancer allegory. Like there are people who, who decide that the fight isn't worth it. You know, that, that they would rather go peacefully or not peacefully obviously it's painful but like they, sometimes the fight is too much they don't want to do the radiation or the chemotherapy or the extensive yeah. treatments or trial runs like they'd rather just accept that this is it and so she she makes the decision ultimately to become one with the shimmer she's not running from it and I don't know if she ever was trying to fight it whatever she was there to learn and she was there to you know I think she sort of embraced it in a way. Especially when they first get in there, she seems to be the one that's the most enthralled with what's become of the earth since the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think she, yeah, I think she had been, she takes this opportunity to 
you know, really go her own way. Yeah, and like like we're saying, like if you're gonna choose this fate, it'd probably be better to to go this way on your own than to go yeah. through something like what Anya just went through. That's terrifying. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I th- yeah, and she and it is a really eerie scene, but also very like peaceful and beautifully shot. You know, she sort of rounds one corner and then never shows up again. You know what it reminded me of? Have you ever seen that documentary about the people who have like terminal illness and they uh, like an organ? It takes place in Oregon. It's a whole documentary about people that choose to do you like the clinical oh, like, assisted, oh, like assisted suicide? suicide? Yes, assisted Ooh. suicide. Yeah. And at the end, it's like they come out to peace with like dying and they're doing it at their own will. And it's like, this, this is the best thing for me. I don't want to, like you're saying, I don't want to go through the radiation. I don't want to, I don't want people to remember me like suffering and, and falling yeah. apart. I want to keep everyone's memories intact and I want to keep my own sanity intact and my body and this is this is the route that I'm choosing. And they do and at the end there's just this like silence. And it's cold and it's very human but at the same time it's like their choice. It's unsettling but it's life. Yeah, it's unsettling, but yeah, but it's like, again, that spectrum, you know, there are different ways that people handle this. Oh, and by the way, we've also in this, at this point, I've found out that Ventress has cancer. It really tells a lot about her character, like, oh, okay, it's, you know, she has nothing left to live for, you know, really, she just has this insatiable need to know what is in there, and she's willing, and she's like, at this point, my life is already over. Like, I'm going to die. And that explains why she's so tired all the time, I guess. Or it looks all tired. Yeah. It's taken a toll on her. Right, exactly. And she would rather face it. She wants to see what it is. Like, if, if the shimmer and whatever's at the lighthouse is the source of it, then she wants to at least show her motherfucking face to it. You know? Yeah. And be like, I want to see for myself what is taking me down. And um, so she goes off on her own and she's like, I'm not waiting for you bitches. You are taking too long. Y'all want to sit here and... And maybe her days are numbered, you know? We don't know if she was given like a timeline. Yeah, I think, I honestly think that's it. I think that she's terminal and that at this point she's like, well, you know, I sent all these people in there that never come back. You know, I might as well do something. Yeah, she needs to complete this journey yeah absolutely and so let's finish out that journey title card the lighthouse lena then comes across the lighthouse and the land surrounding it there are large crystal trees and skeletal remains sprawled all over the sand the lighthouse is covered in some kind of plant-like material Lena enters and finds a charred skeleton sitting against the wall and a camera pointing at it. She watches the video and sees Kane sitting down as he holds a phosphorus grenade while talking to someone behind the camera. He is heard saying he has no idea if he really is Kane or who he was this whole time as his sense of reality appears to have been warped. He asks the person behind the camera to take care of Lena before he pulls the pin on the grenade and blows himself up. The person behind the camera walks into view and is revealed to be some kind of clone of Cain, the same one that made it back to Lena. Lena goes further into the lighthouse and finds Ventress, whose face is twisting and contorting. She tells Lena that the Shimmer is of alien origin and that it is preparing for an annihilation. 
Ventress's body then dissolves into a bright form of light that morphs and distorts itself. It pulls in some blood off of a cut on Lena's face before it creates a humanoid body for itself. It starts to mimic all of Lena's movements. Lena strikes it and it hits Lena back. Lena attempts to run out, but the entity grabs her and continues to mimic her. She finds another phosphorus grenade and puts it in the entity's hand. She takes the pin out and leaves as it blows up. The entity starts to transform into Lena as it is consumed by the fire. It walks around until the rest of the lighthouse goes up in flames, which leads to the trees outside to collapse, and the rest of the shimmer begins to disappear. We return to Lena in the facility as she finishes talking to Lomax. He confirms that the shimmer is gone, but Lena still has no idea what happened to her. Lomax tells her that after the shimmer disappeared, Kane woke up hours later and is lucid. Lena goes to his room to talk to him. They look at each other momentarily, and Lena states, You aren't Kane, are you? He replies, I don't think so, and asks, Are you Lena? She doesn't answer, and they continue to stare at one another. They embrace each other, and we see both of their eyes start to glow and shimmer. The end. Ooh, wow. So this is when the movie gets really, really abstract, you know? Yeah, it ta- it completely kind of distorts its tone up to this point. Like, it, it just takes everything that we thought we knew, and then gives us even more it's kind of a mind fuck yeah it's totally a mind fuck totally weird and um but we get so like she shows up to this lighthouse she's finally made it there's like these crystal trees everywhere yeah. which a mom that's pretty i did read one one theory that they looked like the synapses of a brain <gasps> like how, how they looked and oh. i was like oh so this is like so this is like the brain this is the center of I don't know the, of, the brain of the operation, the nucleus. Yeah, the yeah the nucleus. Sure, yeah. This is um, what is we're now at the center of it all, right? So she goes in, and there's like human bones everywhere. I'm like, oh god, this is already terrifying. A warning. <laughs> a warning. Yeah, and they're like li- they're like lined up all weird. I'm like, who are these bones? Are these like did people? Did more people make it this far? Did where how these bones get there? Yeah. Are these people from the lighthouse? And why are they like, like organized? Like it, almost like um like like uh, tribal in a way. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really fully understand how, why these are placed the way they are, but it, it looks deliberate. It is interesting that most of the bones here, though, are skulls, and like you're saying, like people have compared the crystal trees to the synapses of the human brain. So it's like, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Maybe this is a warning for us as the audience. Like, your brain is literally about to, like, be blown. Right. (laughs) Or maybe it's, like, the deconstruction of the brain. It's, like, the mutation. Like, the synapses are on the outside. We we see the, the skulls as well. Like, it's, like, the deconstruction of the, of the mind. Ooh, Ooh, that's deep, right? That's deep. You're, like... Oh, shit. A philosopher. (laughs) Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) So then she gets into the lighthouse. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So then she gets into the lighthouse, and there's, like, this really disturbing image of a human, oh, oh, at least used to be a human, is literally just, like, blown up. But still sitting, like the remains are like sitting there, and it's, uh, 
and there's a camera pointed at it and she's like <laughs> and luckily the camera wasn't destroyed in this explosion <laughs> yeah it didn't get close enough to at least knock over the tripod the tripod <laughs> yeah. was very sturdy <laughs> anchored yeah. to the ground yeah perfect speaking of anchor it's the best place to create a podcast I'm just <laughs> yeah anchor.fm <laughs> <laughs> so then um, she she turns on the video and again, of course, of course, it's her husband. It's fucking Kane. <laughs> Who else would it be? Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Who else would it be? It's not some rando. It's Kane. <laughs> and um, this part is actually really eerie uh, because he's kind of like at his wits end. And he's like, I don't know what's real anymore. I don't even know if I'm me. One, the first thing I think he says is, I thought I was a man. And that really struck a chord with me. Because I'm like, oh my god, like he's saying like, I thought I was a man. And this is like at the actual Kane, you know, like this is the human Kane yeah. that we know was Lena's husband. And he's saying, I thought I was a man. But at this point, their understanding of life has evolved so much to once, you know, on their yeah. journey to get to this lighthouse that they've under they understand like that they are just their their physical form is just matter. Like if there's no Yeah. You're not you're not male or female you're just existing really yeah exactly it's like the the social constructs that we've created about whether you're a man a woman a human and this obviously don't matter because now they've learned he's seen too much he knows that like the fabric of reality that what we think we know of as reality is is just not true or it's it's so much more than we ever anticipated and so he's like, I don't even know what I am anymore. I thought I was a man, but I don't know. And then he goes on this little monologue, and then he said, then he tells the person filming, he's like, take care of Lena. And then you hear a response that says, I will. And you're like, oh, oh. yikes. <laughs> like, who, who are you talking to? And then out from behind the camera, it's... Lo and behold. Kane again. Yeah, but a much more cleaned up Kane. Like, his hair is combed. Um, yeah, slicked. Yeah, yeah, he looks handsome. Just <laughs> not disheveled yeah. like the, the, the old one. <laughs> um, and you know, I was reading that these phosphorus grenades, in a way, are sort of representing um, chemotherapy because, uh, yeah. like we see later, both Lena and Kane use this to fight this, you know, this entity that's you know sure. that's becoming them. Um, and yeah, then they survive. cancerous entity. Yeah, yeah, and then they survive. Or essentially, parts of them survive. Their genetic makeup survives. Yeah, absolutely. So then, um, Lena, she makes her way into this little hole where she finds Ventress. So like, ooh, who is like, her face is like completely black and she looks like she has no eyeballs and she's like rocking back and forth. And you're like, ooh, okay, this is getting... What is happening to her now? And then she turns around and like, oh, her face is fine again. But she like goes on to this little monologue where she's quoting what I read was some sort of, I don't know, literature of some kind. I don't remember exactly what it is. But then <laughs> Great. she she just, she, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but then she starts, she like bursts into light, like this like light yeah. is coming out of her and I and I thought it was really interesting because somebody I something I'd read was that she was literally by the scientific definition was being annihilated 
And she even says that she's like, they're alien, whatever, and they're here for annihilation. Like, they're here to destroy. And then she herself gets annihilated, which is... Let me see. Let me see if I can find that, that definition. Oh, the combination of a particle and its antiparticle that results in the subsequent total conversion of particles into energy. So basically what is happening to her in physics world is that she's being annihilated. So she's literally being turned into an en- like an energy light. Oh, turning matter into energy. Got it. Yeah. Yes. yes, exactly. That's what happens to her. And then, uh, so she's done for. She doesn't make it. She turns into no- like nothing. She's annihilated. Yeah, she turns into energy. She turns into light. The whatever thing that's doing it, this like swirling apparition. <laughs> the swirling apparition of light. Um, yeah, it takes in some of Lena's blood. Yeah, and then creates a double. And it's like this like faceless form. It's like a body, but yeah. no physical characteristics, just like a gray sort of thing, right? Yeah. And then we get into this scene where they're like they pretty much have this like dance it looks like a dance to me it's it was choreographed by a dancer is i think what i read right yeah because it's very beautiful yeah, the movement right and like and it's like really showing that this thing isn't attacking her this thing is just becoming her and being her and a lot of like the theories are like you know the self-destruction this is a metaphor for us getting in our own way and she's like trying to get by but it won't let her leave and then at one point the thing literally starts crushing her against the wall with its full for like its full body and it's like this is like the crushing weight of ourselves right we're like unable to escape the things that we've created in our life all of our decisions and the things that have led us here and she's literally being crushed under the weight of herself yeah and then i read um also um a different article that was saying that this is sort of how cancer keeps going like it 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 is an alien thing that grows in our body but then uses our dna and latches onto our cells and changes them but essentially it's still us but it's like this alien mass taking over yeah. and so there's that yeah. part of it too so it works in in every allegory that is in this movie it works right and exactly and it goes on for a while and like they have this whole sort of standoff and then eventually like we said before about the phosphorus grenade um lena is able to use it to what we assume destroy the creature yeah whatever it is which is literally morphing into her into into her like becoming her double the same way that Kane also has a double but she's able to escape after this and that thing crawls back into the hole and is just completely lit on fire and um destroys the shimmer yeah you know this whole part I also looked at a little bit differently because I do have um, spirituality, you know, I'm very into that. And I, I sort of yeah. looked at this a little bit differently because I know like we were talking about Cain where it's like he realizes that he's like, I thought I was a man, but I'm really just this like biological matter that doesn't matter. But at the same time, like the way that this is all playing out and designed is almost like 
the afterlife, like where you've gotten there and like Ventress especially, like she gets there and she's annihilated. She dies, she succumbs to her illness and to the illness that the um, shimmer has caused. And it almost seems like, you know, they're, when they go into this hole, it's like this hellish landscape, like almost like yeah. the paintings that depict hell. And then when she becomes this energy, this light force, it looks very like heavenly, like a heavenly galaxy almost. And from it, when it takes the blood from Lena, from it comes new life like this new mm. form of life and it's almost like the creation of this clone is almost like almost like what the bible tells us has ha- happened you know and so like it's mm. kind of poetic it even it goes like beyond yeah. biology and for me like just the visuals of everything made me think of the spirituality because then she does make it out and it, and we kind of at the end don't know if she made it out or if the clone made it out it's sort yeah, of like up exactly. for interpretation but we know that Kane for sure but based on how she's acting you kind of think that they're both the clone versions of themselves and not the actual Lena and Kane and so yeah but they're like but then I'm also like how does it know so much so many specifics because but it used it used it, her cells, it used her brain, it used her memory. I guess it, to put the pieces together, which is maybe why like they're not all there. Like maybe it wasn't able to replicate every single one of her memories. So exactly. Why there are holes in it, and also it wasn't able to replicate their souls. That's how I think of it. Because at the end yeah, of the day, for sure, this movie is essentially like an alien movie. Like this was an alien force that started doing this. And so yeah. like, yes, it did replicate them exactly and was able to use bits and pieces of them to m- create a genetic makeup. But at the same time, they're a shell of a human because the souls are gone. Right. It's just biological matter. Or just, you know, going back to our allegories before of like the cancer and stuff, it's like, even if you if you... S- if you beat it, you know, if you win or whatever, you're different. Yeah. You're different after that experience. Whether, whether Lena is now this like alien creature or she's herself. And cause we don't get an explanation whether or not like they're glowing eyes because you know, they have this embrace and her and Kane both have these like glowing eyes. We're not really sure if that is, is that necessarily mean that they are these alien creatures or just that their biological makeup is now different. It has changed them. Being part of this experience has changed them no matter what, and they will not be the same regardless, whether it's for the good or the bad. I don't know. But either way, they've changed. Yeah, like fighting for survival, like our bodies do, and they keep doing, and they would. It's it's like not a happy ending, but rather like a content ending. Like they survive, but they're scarred, and they're like forever changed. And it's sort of up to you to decide whether you think it's the alien or if it's just... If it's just them and they are, they've seen too much and they know more than ever and they just don't know how to make sense of this thing that is the rest of their life. So when we do see that their eyes are glowing and shimmering, what, what is your, what was your interpretation upon seeing that? I mean, like I said, like I wasn't, I, I was always on the side that it, that Lena did actually make it out. I me thought too. That I, for me, I, I always think that he's different. Yeah. Like, obviously, I think we saw him blow himself up, and I would assume that he did that and not the alien creature. But I assume that she actually did make it out. But just by being in the shimmer, 
she has part like of it. They are part of its mutation still in her. Yes, yeah. exactly. Me she's too. Mut- she's mutated in some way. So I mean, my interpretation is that she made it out, but other people might think different. Yeah, yeah. I I thought the same way as you. I thought he's definitely the clone version of Kane, and she is Lena, but she obviously still has some of that in her. So yeah, right. Exactly. All right, we made it to the end. All right, final thoughts. Um, my final thoughts are that this is one of the reasons I love movies, especially horror. Yes. Like this hyper realistic version of our actual reality. It's both beautiful and scary. And I love all the metaphors, all the allegories. It explores like the dark side of illness and depression and human behavior, but it almost gives us like no hope, which I think is a direct reflection of reality. Like our lives, our minds, our bodies can change in an instant and not all of us will make it out and those of us that do will be different. We'll we'll either be weaker or stronger, changed or jaded. Yeah. So I really love the way that this movie plays out and um, the technical aspects, the performances are great. The film is very beautiful. Like you said, it's well lit, it's well shot, it's choreographed beautifully. The effects are great. I, I just think this movie really does it for me. And I would actually give this a five out of five. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I totally agree with everything across the board that you just said. Yeah, I think that this movie it just inspires so much conversation. And it's so much more than just a story. It, you know, it, it, it really is a reflection on what it is to be human and to, to handle... Or how we handle some of the most mortal things about ourselves and that being death and life and our meaning on this planet and how we handle handle change, whether it's biologically, physically, you know, yeah. you know I don't know. I, did, I just think there's so much in this movie that you can interpret and that you can watch it so many different ways. And you can say, do you know what? I'm going to watch it coming from the perspective of this and I will have a completely different reading of it than if I, you know, look at it from a completely different angle. And I love that about this movie. Um, I think that it just inspires so much conversation and I think it's probably one of the best sci-fi films to come out in a, in so long. Definitely. And, uh, and I don't care if it's too smart for me at some point <laughs> or it's too smart for other people. I think it's a, I think it's great. And I think that uh, it, it wasn't afraid to challenge us. And I don't know. I think it's great. So this is a five out of five for me as well. Definitely one of the best to come out. I have to say, like, in your final thoughts, one thing that I think struck a chord was that it brings up conversation. I really enjoyed actually having this, this cutting this down with you, especially because we did see it differently at times. Like when I saw this yeah. like spirituality aspect to it, that's I love that. I never thought about that, but yeah, that's amazing. That may not be there for everybody when they watch it. So I think that all these different ideas and different interpretations and seeing yourself in different characters in the movie changes the way you look at the movie so this is just a great movie right and there's something relatable for everybody people like as humans we go through so many different experiences and there's something that you can see in all of these characters you're like do you know what maybe i don't relate to that part but there's definitely something about this 
person's trauma or their pain or their happiness that I that I resonate with and I see myself in these characters and um, and I think about like how I would handle this how would I how do I handle knowing that you know the knowing my fate or how, like like would I, would I be more this way would I succumb to it would I not would I uh, yeah. Would I give up? Would I fight? Would I, you know, it, there's just so many questions that it inspires in yourself that can be like, wow, this is, this is just amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, thank you for going on this journey with us, listeners. If I you know, yeah. If you've listened to this without ever, ever having watched the movie, I hope that we inspired you to go back and actually watch the movie. Yeah, watch the movie and watch it from a, from a different perspective than just what's on the surface because there's so much beneath the surface here. Yeah. And if you do, let us know what you think. What are your interpretations? Yeah. I'm interested to see what other people think. Yes, I would love to hear that. So please reach out to us. You can hit us up on our social media. We are at Fear the Talking Queers on Instagram where we where we do a lot of our communicating with our listeners. So yeah, please sh- let us know. Send us a DM. Slip into those DMs, baby. Yes, and if you don't have social media, you can always visit us at www.fearthetalkingqueers.com. And you can message us through there also. Yes, absolutely. Um, We want to thank you again for listening to this episode with us. Um, Please, if you have a chance, leave us a Apple Podcast review. And uh, sorry. (laughs) Not a Apple Apple Podcast review. (laughs) A Apple Podcast review. (laughs) I'm no wonder this movie was too smart just for me. <laughs> yes, that would be greatly appreciated. Yes, please. We would love to um, hear your guys' feedback and uh, be able to shout you guys out either on the episode or on our social media. So please yes. do that. And now September uh, for Fear the Talking Queers 2021 season three is annihilated and we're on to October. Can't wait. Woo! Yes. Halloween is upon us. Spooky season, October, all the pumpkin spice we could ever want to drink. Yes. Um, is in our future. So. And if you follow us on Instagram and you voted, we are literally going to be doing the movies you chose through our October voting. So get stoked yes, for so that. You better listen. Yes. You better be ready. Spooky season is here. Yeah. So our first week of October kicks off next week with. The Exorcist. Oh my god, a first time viewer over here. I've never seen it. I oh still have not watched the movie. So definitely oh be watching that in the next coming days. I'm scared. Yes, and you know what? It, it, <laughs> what? It's kind of exciting because it's like a real return to a classic. You know, we haven't. Yeah. We, we don't. We kind of like leave the classics like few and far between on our show. And so uh, I'm excited to bring one to you guys next week. I know. I'm stoked. So. Can't wait. See you guys then. All right. Sweet screams, bitch. Bye.